on today's episode of The Glue Guys, Steve Nash has been named the Brooklyn Nets' next head coach. We're going to talk about how it happened, why it happened, where all that pop smoke was coming from, Mm. and so much more. Plus, we have Tim Kawakami from The Athletic, who covers the Warriors, columnist in the Bay Area. He wrote a really great piece about Kevin Durant and Steve Nash's relationship. Tim will join us on the show to discuss how Steve Nash and Kevin Durant are best buddies. This is Mike here, Sailor Brian. Hello. Oh, <laughs> Steve, you, you deserved better. <laughs> you deserved better. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. You really should get a, a subscription to The Athletic in this exact moment because the Nets have hired uh, Steve Nash as a head coach, and there's a tremendous amount of writing. And one of the people that wrote one of the best stories about the hiring is Tim Kawakami, columnist for The Athletic, who covers the Bay Area teams. And he wrote about Kevin Durant's relationship with Steve Nash. You can read that story if you go to theathletic.com slash glue guys and get 40% off an annual sub- subscription. And go to iTunes, five stars ratings. We need one. I had from Brian Emergency Pod. Yeah. Break the glass, Mike. Smush it. Smush that glass. This has got to be one of the most surprising days in Brooklyn Nets history. This is even more surprising than when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the Brooklyn Nets because out of nowhere, Steve Nash, one of the greatest point guards of all time, two-time MVP, I believe he is. Yeah. Has uh, decided oh, asterisks on those. Let's be honest. Asterisks. <laughs> oh, just, just kidding. Welcome, welcome yeah. to Brooklyn, Stephen. Yeah. He's Forget chosen to be the the next Nets head coach. How are you feel about that, Brian? Um, I am well as a person with a podcast. I'm loving it. <laughs> I am suspicious, Mike. I think everyone's a little suspicious. It's a. It's well. First of all, let me just say, can I think that I do think that Sean Marks at all in management are a little bit getting off on their ability to keep a secret. This is this is getting to be masturbatory secret keeping territory here mike they're loving they're loving their ability to have the the tight lips everywhere all over the country even steve kerr over in in california knows about the steve nash thing like 20 minutes before it goes live they're getting good i think like and so that's also like we're going to talk so much about the nash hiring itself and i do want to give i want to do an r.i.p section for greg popovich's nets head coach that was that was a good meme that was a good meme while it lasted (laughs) There was an insane amount of smoke, of smoke coming out of that. Out of the wine cellar. That's right. Out of, out of the, the papal wine cellar yeah. that is uh, were, Greg Popovich's home in San Antonio. Burning artisanal birch bark on, in that wine cellar. And I and we can kind of dive into why maybe all of that smoke was being billowed up into the air when there was another fire burning uh, north of the border for Steve Nash. This is truly incredible that Steve Nash is, we had been getting a slow drip of information, mostly from Sham Sharani of The Athletic, of who exactly the Nets' next head coach would be. We were told that Jock Vaughn was going to be seriously considered. We were told Tyron Lue, who seems to now going to be the Philadelphia 76ers head coach, 
that he was a strong candidate. Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Rich Kleiman was pushing for Mark Jackson, not publicly, but we were told through reports that Rich Kleiman has always loved Mark Jackson, even though he does say that publicly. Nary a mention, nary a mention about our boy, our now Nets head coach, Steve Nash. It's been extremely interesting over the past few hours after the, the hiring was announced to see exactly, we're trying to piece together how this is all happening. And the puzzle master, if you will, is Sean Marks, who he went on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast and did reveal like kind of the the way that they got Steve Nash in, which was Steve Nash literally went to Sean Marks and said, I want to coach the Nets. I want to coach your team, your Brooklyn Nets. How do you feel, though? How, like, so there, there's so much that we can discuss, like, what's, you know, what, what's the team going to look like? What's Katie going to think? Blah, blah, blah. But like, in your heart of hearts, does this feel like a good move, a strange move, a bad move, or are your is your heart just in a blender right now and you don't know what to do with yourself? Kyrie Irving is to Darren Williams what Steve Nash is to Jason Kidd. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's, that not, is, yeah, that's not advocating that, for. It. That is the PTSD that we that I've seen out in that's Twitter, which which I I understand. I can relate to on a certain level. I mean, like I was saying, as a guy with a podcast, incredibly exciting hire. I love it. I love it for all the memes that it is sure to give birth to. Um, there, We already got some DMs about what kind of soft drink Steve Nash intends to be using as his weapon of choice to spill <laughs> for timeout purposes. Um, is, you think Steve Nash is like a kombucha guy? He's probably not. He's not that bad. He? I mean, he's like, he's bad. Yeah. I think Steve Steve Nash was one of the original diet is the way to, to rise your star guys in the NBA. It's him and Kobe were the two like leading people of you need to eat right to play right. And now that's pervasive through the NBA. And Kyrie Irving is a major advocate for uh, eating a vegan lifestyle. They might connect uh, on that for sure. Uh, yeah. And they will connect on that. Like I remember yeah. Steve Nash multiple times, like when he was on Bill Simmons's podcast now, like a decade ago, talking about like eating well is the thing that has transformed his game and transformed his body into what he is now. It's really incredible. I, I can't even like there would not be it's not even outside the box, really, because as you learn more and more about Steve Nash's connections with the Nets organization, it is squarely in the box. It is it checks every box because right under our noses, really. He and Sean Marks have an incredible relationship. To hear Sean Marks talk about him on Woj's pod, to say that, they, that they've that they been in close contact with each other for two decades now, that they vacation, they seemingly could vacation together frequently with their families, that Steve Kerr said in the Tim Kawakami column that he understood it to be that Nash and Marks were like the tightest of two guys when Marks was like a bit player in in Phoenix because Marks did play in Phoenix when Nash was there and Nash was obviously a superstar with the team, but they were extremely close to each other. Um, so you have the Marks box checked. Now I had known, and I think a lot of people knew about the Kevin Durant connections. If you don't know, Steve Nash was one of the main sort. He's a Warriors consultant or was until he was hired by the Brooklyn Nets, and he was one of the main people that actually recruited KD to go to the Warriors when Kevin Durant left the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Durant has talked about his relationship with Steve Nash a couple of times, saying how much he respects him and trusts him and believes in him. You check the KD box. The Kyrie box is uh, it, it's, it's not even a circle. box. That's it's yeah. a toe tetrahedron. Is what that is. <laughs> That's a, te- that's a tesseract. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one of those mazes on the back of a kid's menu, and, <laughs> but except there's a water stain in the middle of it, so you yeah. can't even like complete the pen mark. Yeah, 
to get through it. But I, 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 we can talk about the Kyrie piece too. It just like, if you like really review the Steve Nash hire, it checks every single box. And like the other one that I should mention, and you know, I talked to you before about this and I was tweeting about it and then I've been corrected and I'll admit I've been corrected. Mm. It checks the new owner. I want to uh, make a big hire box. This is a classic smelts talking point. The, the new owner, <laughs> big splash combo. Um, I had, I thoroughly believed when this news came out, I thought that it was Josiah who was the motivating factor behind it, that because it's such a thing that a new owner would do. I mean, Mikhail Prokhorov literally did this. He hired Jason Kidd after his playing days. Literally, like, Jason Kidd retires as a player, becomes Nets head coach. Prokhorov did it. James Dolan did it when he hired Isaiah to be the GM of the Knicks. Dolan takes over in 99. They hire Scott Layden. Scott Layden makes the Antonio McDice trade, which is horrific. And then he brings on Isaiah Thomas in the middle of the season who Isaiah was just fired as Pacers head coach, you know, in the previous offseason. Like, new owners seem to do this. Your Knicks timeline now is so tight. It's incredible. It's pretty tight. Like, yeah, pretty tight. Pretty tight. <laughs> tight so it just timeline. happened to know that Isaiah was fired from the Pacers head coaching job. <laughs> just, you know, an encyclopedic knowledge of basketball. And so this is just a thing. I mean, I guess if you want to go to the Kings, they hire Vladi Divac, even though Vivek Ronadive is not a new owner. But he, he continually feels to be like in the new owner syndrome. It continues to exhibit it. It is just a thing that owners do. Like new owners, they gravitate towards established stars or established names or guys who are iconic with the franchise. They want to bring them back into the fold. And that sort of limits your, your pool of talent. But I've been corrected. Sean Marks led this thing. And Sean Marks has been continually talking with Steve Nash. Anthony Puccio of Nets Daily reported that in he didn't report this in May, but says today that the Nets had been talking with Nash since May. And there was some idea that Nash was among the candidates right after Kenny Atkinson got fired, that internally that there was discussion about Steve Nash. So should this feel that foreign? Do you think this should? I mean, I still think it does. It's still kind of a crazy hire for a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but should it still still feel so foreign? Yeah, I mean, like this particular plot line hasn't gone super well, some of the names you named. I mean, like, I mean, I, I do bring up the Jason Kidd parallel in jest. And also, as you know, a matter of yeah, a matter of like lived experience that wasn't great. But it was also actually it's hard to say what wasn't great about it, whether it was Jason Kidd in particular or or the whole organization at the time. But I do think, I mean, it seems like Steve Nash is without the I don't know Jason Kidd or whatever, but you know, the memes are that he's a pretty cutthroat bro. That does not seem to be the case with Steve Nash. He seems very um sociable i was watching a deep cut vice sports uh youtube of steve nash kind of interviewing it's like a conversation but it mostly ends up like steve nash asking kevin durant a bunch of questions in probably like 2014 and uh you get a sense of like steve nash's kind of inner phil jackson sort of weirdo which is nice um where he like they get into it where he's talking about uh their childhoods and how much basketball was prevalent in their childhoods and he's like did it ever get into your like childhood imagination like were you so obsessed with basketball like I was that like even when you were playing not involved in basketball were you thinking about basketball and like Kevin Durant totally met him halfway and was like he's like yeah I used to like set up my Hot Wheels cars with like a penny in between them and have them like the Hot Wheels playing basketball <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was like a funny like interview just in that like you get to see Steve Nash able to like because I feel like Kevin Durant and Kyrie have a little of that, you know, kind of in common. Like that's where there's a Venn diagram of personalities. And I think Steve can speak that language more than maybe a lot of guys out there. A lot of just like pure 
purebred basketball dudes can. So we talk about the history, you know, immediately people like the biggest concern, the, the major concern of Yair Steve Nash is that he's never coached a team before, right? And that is, that's a scary thing. It's a, it's a great unknown. There is a history of guys who've done it, who have been successful. I mean, Steve Kerr never coached a team. He was a GM, but he never coached a team and then goes and wins a championship. Doc Rivers had never coached a team and he, he was pretty good with the magic. Isaiah was actually fine with the Pacers as a coach. Mark Jackson was a pretty good-ish coach. I say ish. Like, you know, when he coached the Warriors, they were good. Jason Kidd with the Nets. I mean, the the kid mafia has been on full force when you kind of mentioned him on Twitter as not working out. I understand. <laughs> Is that a thing? I haven't noticed that. There's I defenders? Underst- kid defenders? Oh, I guess Kid that's defenders. Right, yeah. Yeah. I understand that Jason Kidd took the Nets to the second round of the playoffs, but... His tenure with the Nets was a failure as a head coach. Not mm. obviously not as play. That's I mean, interesting. I wonder how I would think about that. He 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 took over a team that we all know in retrospect was like horribly put together. You know, is the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson, Darren Williams uh, a pretty like? Of course, now we know that that team didn't work, and maybe we should give our boy Jason Kidd a little bit more credit for what he was able to do. But if you actually look back at the season, their point differential, they're, they should have won like 35 games. They won 45 games miraculously. I mean, literally, they had a negative like three point differential per game, which means you should be a bad team. And they somehow got to the playoffs and won a certain number of games. And of course, yes, they got to the second round, but he was only there for one year. And he had the soda spilling incident. And I don't I don't get why people are negative about the soda spilling. I love I love the soda spilling. What's <laughs> wrong with the soda spill? It's that, that's in game. The if, they, if they win that game, we have a whole different take on the soda spill. At the moment I heard it was Steve Nash, I was excited. Like, I'm not going to lie, because because like you talked about, you talk about the Duran interview. I've heard Nash over many, many times in interviews. And the impression you always get in the way you described him, like the Phil Jackson type, it's like a newer age Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, like because Phil Jackson's a surly dude. Like there's yeah. a surliness. Yeah, to he's Phil. got a, he's got boomer surly. He stands with his arms folded. I mean, so you know, you know how but, people over like a certain age, like always stand with their arms folded. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's also because his back hurts so horribly. That's true. He's such That's a true. decrepit old man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> shots fired at Phil Jackson. <laughs> yeah. But Steve has always been, we're on first name basis, by the way, yeah, Steve sure. and I, he's always been known as one of the best teammates anyone has ever been associated with on any roster. He's, he's that guy, right? And that isn't Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd wasn't thought of as like this amazing teammate in that way where he knows, like he impacts every player on the roster, like on, on a really positive level. No, Jason Kidd's just like a next level point God in terms of being on the court, but he wasn't. He was more yeah. of the Darren Williams type personally than well, the, the meme Nash. about Jason Kidd as a good teammate was that he got you paid, right? Because of his preternatural assist game. That was that was the yes. meme. You wanted to play with him because he got you that that contract. Steve Nash is basically like if Theo Pinson was actually an MVP. That was who Steve Nash was as a player. <laughs> no, like, but, Theo Pinson. I love Theo Pinson, alive. but the, but Theo <laughs> Theo was in his own world in a lot of ways. I mean, in a great way, in the best way, in a way that it's, I wish I had more of, but but not in a way that a lot of people are. Steve Nash is lucky to be compared to Theo Pinson, the person. I, I agree, Brian. I agree. I agree. Lucky. <laughs> I agree. I didn't see Steve Nash doing a whole lot of. A lot of dancing on the sidelines, though. No, because he was actually playing. Right. <laughs> he right. actually had to Did, play. But there is yeah. a, there's already a meme and a video out there of Steve Nash. He was, like, dancing on some dock. Ah. 
Yeah, it's just out there. He's just so maybe he also has those skills as well. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read some copy here. We'll come back. And the couple of things I do want to hit is I want to talk about the Duran impact. I want to talk a little bit more about what you think about Kyrie and Nash together. And then I'm going to dig into like, does this move the Nets closer to trading for a third star? Which I great. think is whether it moves the needle, I don't know. But let's talk about that after this break. Oh, great. Brian? Mm. Live sports are back. Wow. And this copy says it's very possible we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets, but I think we're going to see it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that's right. That is in the books. So that is why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets mm. are as safe as possible when that's that cute. matchup happens. I not heard of so them called Nuggets. I you, like that. You need to get on this right now. Here's what Manscaped will do for you. It will make your grooming habits, it'll streamline them, it'll upgrade them, and ipso facto, your life will be upgraded, (laughs) guaranteed, if you get in on Manscaped, okay? Brian and I have been doing an experiment. Brian's been manscaping constantly, and I haven't. Over manscaping, if anything, yeah. Brian now lives in a penthouse in Soho. That's true. And I live on the streets. I think that is, there's a clear delineation that happened in our lives. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the homeless podcaster. Things are bad. Things are bad for you. So to get back up to the penthouse lifestyle, I'm going to get on Manscaped. Manscaped, I mean, they can do a whole bunch of things for you. There's the Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. It has a ceramic blade and skin-safe technology. Wow. Your snags will be reduced. They actually just released, Brian... Their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Okay. And they have this perfect package, which comes with the new and improved lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer. Great. You get performance boxer briefs <clears throat> and a travel bag for you to use uh, when we're done quarantining. For your nuggets on the go. For your nuggets on the go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put them in that little box. Yeah. McDonald's. Wait, never <laughs> honey, mind. Yeah, honey mustard. Here's what you can do. If, you want to, if you're interested in Manscaped, go to manscaped.com. You can get 20% off in free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. 20 is 2-0, the numeric 20. THEATHLETIC20, manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. Take your grooming game to the next level. Live in a penthouse lifestyle like Brian. Don't be a hobo like me. And we're back, Brian. I think the biggest thing that we've learned... I kind of want to run through some bullet points from Sean Marks's interview with Woj Love it. here. Love and that. I think it'll kind of like illuminate exactly what's going on. Do it. Marks really emphasized his two decade long relationship with Nash. He, mm. he really wanted to impress upon the fact that like this isn't a, a sudden or rash decision that him and Nash have been constantly talking to each other mm. over a period of two decades. I think that's important. about this. Wow. Just in their bunk beds. Dreaming up stories. Yeah, I love it. Go ahead. Mark says that it was Nash who reached out to him about the opening. And then Mark sort of said something like, and he reached out to me. And then over the past like week or two, it really intensified. And Nash has really impressed him with the amount. Like he he said he was extremely impressed by the amount of work that Nash did to try to take this job, basically, to to impress Sean Marks enough that this is the job for him. Did he give any examples of what that what that was? One example that he did was about Jacques Vaughn was that one of the first things that Steve Nash allegedly said to Sean Marks was that Jock Vaughn, he needs him as his head assistant coach because 
He saw how Jacques was coaching the bubble. He really respects that coaching style. He knows the man. He knows his coaching style. He wants him on his bench, helping him become the coach. With that bamboo, too. That's pretty, He was really speaking to yeah. Steve Nash's mindset with that bam, bamboo, I'm sure. That bamboo is very Nashy, and it almost yeah. feels like Jacques Vaughn knew that yeah. Steve Nash was coming because <laughs> yeah, it feels like a Nash thing. Perfect. Sean Marks said he consulted with a number of members of the team who play for the Brooklyn Nets and, and says players agreed with Marks that Natch is the best coach. And specifically, this is what Sean Marks said. And this is pretty incredible. Um, that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted three things from their next head coach. High character. Sure. Great communicator, of course. And someone they respect. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Okay, I like that you're so tickled by that. That's... <laughs> someone they respect. Yeah. It's like they... If that that wasn't sits, implicit. <laughs> sits down with Katie and Kyrie in a socially distanced... Mm. Uh, situation and you know they're all sitting around a, a six foot apart i imagine Kyrie's wearing one of those like plastic face mask thingies right right katie's probably not wearing any mask it's kind oh, of the vibes i'm getting from him oh wow okay at this point well he had it so i mean yeah so he technically doesn't have to right and i, I don't know i don't know the science behind for that. Debate. let's not you know we have a, we have a platform here let's be responsible <laughs> but they they delivered the message we need to respect our next head coach like, yeah yeah like as, I, as if like my yeah, favorite is like is the alternative of that conversation where it's like he's smart he's brilliant i love him he's got a great personality i just don't respect him i just don't bottom line i got no respect for this guy it's the slump of his shoulders is the problem for me no respect i i hope i become good enough at podcasting that i cannot respect like wow a boss right wow actually okay. i'm here now <laughs> wow who is it drop some names just kidding um anyways so i it if you read, and we're going to talk to Tim Kawakami in a little bit, if you read about Durant's relationship with Steve Nash, it is obvious that Durant really respects Steve Nash. Now, do you think Kyrie, we don't know anything like personally, do you think it matters to Kyrie that that Nash was obviously you know one of the greatest point guards of all time? Do you think that matters to Kyrie in any sense of the, any sense of the word? Yeah, so I mean, like I'm trying to build a, a game plan in my mind based out of what like what could Steve Nash have been talking to Sean Marks about in terms of just X's and O's and I would I would I would guess that like Steve Nash would be like I could I could try to get Kyrie Irving to do a lot of what I did which was basically like instead of going into the paint and with the mindset of playmaking just like go in there and see what happens <laughs> that was basically like <laughs> Steve Nash's expertise was just like keeping the dribble forever um, and, and because of that, he was just able to like lead defenses in strange places, which I think is actually kind of a weird thing that you could impart to Kyrie Irving. It's a very similar, um, they're both like world-class handler, ball handlers, nugget handlers. And, uh, they, <laughs> they, they, he could, he could benefit a lot from, that was a callback from the, the manscaping. At, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, he could benefit, I, yes, I, think. I know it just cleared up. Um, <laughs> He could benefit a lot from like that. That's just like a really basic thing to say. I think that like, I don't know if that's something you can teach or if that's something you want to teach, or if that's even like enough of a, of a pillar to build a whole X's no game plan off of. But I do think weirdly that their game that could bleed nicely into one another. I mean, just outside of what I, I think of Steve Nash and Carrie on a, on a personal level, which they, I, I feel like they would probably mesh. Um, I'm just imagining like, what is the thing that, and also does like, does Steve Nash say like, Hey, you like some Mike D'Antoni type stuff? I got that. I did. A, I did a lot of Mike D'Antoni stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I have. I had the best of both worlds. It's like I'm not the a pure boomer. undistilled 
or right. or distilled. What's distilled. better, pure di- distilled? In this pure, case, distilled. Yeah, yeah, pure distilled D'Antoni. You don't want not that this. pure that pure D'Antoni. That's some limoncello. That <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit harsh. Yeah. Not not what you're seeing from Houston, where it's just James Harden at the top of the key, and then you know everyone else standing around. It's like suns. It's beautiful. It's quick. It's fast. And it's not only that, like, it's really the most exciting thing about Steve Nash is obviously he's an offensive genius. That's known. He was the the, the tip of the spear for one of the most exciting offenses, revolutionary offenses in NBA history. He also then consulted with the Warriors. So he saw, you know, firsthand Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, one of, again, the next evolution in the seven seconds or less was probably, if you want to clink it right to the Warriors, I would have put the Spurs in between. I think it was seven seconds or less. There was that Spurs team in the middle of that and then Warriors. But Nash kind of was involved with the Warriors and was obviously intimately involved with the Suns. And what he did learn from the Warriors is that, like, you can have a beautiful system and still do iso ball. And that's what the Warriors did with Kevin Durant. They had a beautiful system. And when it was time to score, they would give the ball to Kevin Durant and clear out. And that's what the Nets are going to do. There is so much more to discuss with this. I just think before we wrap up here and and we're going to bring Tim Kawakami on and we're going to talk about this like a million times over. One interesting thing is that Mark Stein, who Mark Stein, if you don't know, obviously covered the league for ESPN and now he's with New York Times. Mark Stein lives in Dallas and is like seems to be almost best friends with Dirk Nowitzki and is very close with Steve Nash and Mark Stein like participates in Steve Nash's soccer charity event which is always held in I think lower Manhattan it's held in like Soho every year Um, and a lot of like famous people come out for that Mark Stein reported that Nash reached out to Dirk to see if he wanted to be an assistant coach no and Dirk said no, he's not oh. ready yet. He just retired too soon. But that's I do coming. think that's coming to the plague. Now I think it's interesting because I think I don't know if Dirk would do this because he have obviously allegiances to Dallas. But the guy that Kevin Durant injured Kevin Durant is most compared to the people they say, oh, Kevin Durant is going to be like this when he comes back, is Dirk Nowitzki is a seven footer who can shoot at an elite level, but not is not going to be overly athletic. So I do wonder if we're going to get some Dirk pixie dust. Just like like Dirk popping in for a few days to be talking with KD, chopping it up. Because you could obviously, KD's the type of person that if Dirk walked through, he would love to like get a little of that time and to figure out like, okay, let's let's work on a couple of moves. Let's work on that like the fading leg kick jumper that was impossible to guard. I mean, KD already has that in his game. He doesn't really need another skill, but it would be interesting. You think Steve Nash is going to be that like, I'm, I really want a 20-year like legendary head coach, just a guy that sticks around for a long time. I mean, I would have taken Kenny Atkinson for another decade just out of just my pure desire to want to have a face around <laughs> for a really long time. Is this is it possible that we found the guy? I mean, or is this just going to be another turnover really quick? Don't get used to him. Let me ask you. I'm going to turn the question back on oh, you. Okay. What is the floor of Steve Nash's coaching career with the Nets, and what is his ceiling? So I say his floor is like he could be fired at the yeah, end of the be. year. <laughs> and he, Sean Marks is out the door with him. Wow, you think so? You think it's like right. that? His, his that job is on the line with this one? Marks obviously is really uh, is aligning himself with Steve Nash. And I don't think this is going to happen. This is floor versus ceiling, right? This is worst case, best case scenario. And like, it, there is a world where Steve Nash comes in, is completely in over his head, even though he's a genius as a player, he may not be as a coach. We've seen that many times before where... 
like Magic Johnson coached a team, you know, like great players have coached teams before and haven't been that good at coaching, right? So there's a world where Steve Nash is not a good coach. Kyrie and KD aren't going to be guys who will put up with growth spurts in this head coach. And and if, in fact, Nash is pushed out the door, I don't think Marks would be a guy staying around. Now, that's, that's you the think so? Well, interesting. I mean, and also Jacques Vaughn steps right in. I like the idea of Jacques Vaughn as just the perennial like guy just who steps waiting. in. Just this Dick Cheney, you know, in the, <laughs> in the wings, like quietly running things. You know? Or Mike Pence, according or to Mike the recent Pence. story of many strokes Donald Trump. I didn't but, see. I think the ceiling is like what you're talking. Like I think the ceiling for Steve Nash and what's so exciting is that he could be like a generational coach. There's he has that potential. He he has the temperament. He has the intellect. He has the respect of a locker room immediately because of who he was. He has like a guy who could win five championships level of talent inside of him. He's nice, but he's also like got that self seriousness. You know that like that take me seriously thing. Kenny Atkinson had that almost to a fault, I think, that, like, take me, take me seriously yeah. thing. Uh, and it's, like, a big part of, like, I, like I, I just, I don't know why I'm thinking of uh, Brad Stevens, but, like, <clears throat> who's, like, take me serious effect. It comes in this kind of, like, almost lackadaisical, like, approach. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just, like, I'm so in the clouds thinking about strategy that I don't have time for your, like, emotions or whatever. And I think Steve Nash has a nice mix. I don't know. Who knows? But we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking for that 20-year guy. I mean, I'm, it doesn't matter. He could be complete dog ass. I'd still want him around for 20 years, Mike. That's where my, that's where my heart is. The, the dude's going to look great in suits on the sidelines. That's true. And, that's true. And, He's going to have great suits. My God. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> um, so... We'll be back. I mean, we're going to talk about Steve Nash as head coach like a million more times. We're going to talk about, I mean, we didn't really get to this, but what the impact could be on the third star chase, like whether it moves it closer to trying to make a big trade or if it moves it closer to giving them a little bit more time to gel. We can talk about that later. But coming up, you're going to hear from Tim Kawakami, who's a columnist for The Athletic who covers the Bay Area sports teams, including the Warriors, and he knows all about Kevin Durant's relationship with Steve Nash. So we'll hear from him in just a sec. But first, a message from our sponsors. With football right around the corner, there is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. Listen up, because you do not want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points, 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 101 points, you will still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no brainer. On top of that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all its users who enter their free football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code QUICK to get in all the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tim Kawakami, Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic San Francisco, joins us now. So, Tim, before we get to the piece that you wrote, what are your impressions of the Steve Nash hire for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I didn't expect it. You know, I've been kind of <laughs> asking around since he's been around for five years around the Warriors. Like, hey, you know, I'm asking the Warriors people. I'm asking Nash himself. Like, you're going to get into coaching. You're going to get into, you know, I, I saw him as a future GM, really, maybe more that way. kind. And the answer always was, he's kind of happy with his life right now. He pops in and out of the Warriors. He gets around the playoffs. He's working with great players. And he goes back home and, you know, it's pretty nice in, in the beaches in L.A. Uh, that and, and pop on a soccer studio and go whenever, you know, go out and watch Tottenham or wherever he wants to. Um, so I, I, I was surprised. I know I talked to Steve Kerr today. He was surprised. Uh, but maybe, you know, we should have started thinking about this, like the pull of it. And it wasn't in his curse. Like Kerr's done the executive thing. He goes, the coaching is much better. Like you just have the you win and you lose, you know, you, you're in the competition. You're not on a phone with an agent somewhere. You're actually in the competition. So it was going to be coaching. And I think the New York poll, you know, we, we know, you know, you, you tweeted yourself, like, I mean, Nash hangs around New York sometimes. He, he likes, I think, that Metro feeling, of, you know, many people around, international feel to it. And obviously the tie to Kevin Durant's a big thing, you know, for both the team and for him. You know, he's not walking into a startup here. He's not walking into <laughs> – four years of lottery, do the process and see what you can do. I mean, this team should win, good win. Don't know if it's going to, but I guess if you had to say, okay, here's what would get Steve Nash in back into the game full time. It wasn't going to be a, you know, assistant GM job. It wasn't going to be a scouting job. It wasn't going to be an assistant coaching job. It's going to be the head coaching job in a big city with a superstar or two where he knew he could win. And I guess that just sets it up for this. I am still surprised by it. I did not expect this. But I can see those things leading to why he'd want this job. What was his job? He's a consultant at the Warriors. Yep. What does that mean? He, he came up whenever he wanted to, which was, you know, four or five times a year, maybe two, three, four times during the playoffs when they were in the playoffs. And he'd just be available. Mostly it was for Durant. Now, he was there for a year before Durant signed. So it's not like he just came for Durant. But when Durant came, it was like, okay, Kevin, when Kevin is like on this team and he wants to work out with you, you work out with Kevin and you work out with other people. He clearly has a, a, an affinity with, with uh, Steph Curry. They're, they don't, they kind of have a similar games in some ways. And so I think, you know, there was some work with Steph, work with younger players when, you know, when he was around. I just think he was kind of like available and then he, you know, he could go back home and then he could pop back in and be available again if, you know, front office people or Kerr or the coach staff want to kick things around. He was certainly available to them too. And I think a few times, you know, they just wanted him, you know, an idea about a player, what his thoughts were, but it was informal. It was on his own terms, which is what he really liked about it uh, and show up here. And then, but then once he was around, you saw him like mag magnetically tied to Kevin Durant, like Durant wanted him. Like, I think that's even Durant told him, like, if I sign with the Warriors, you have to, you have to be my guy. Like when, when you're here, you're with me. And I think, I think Nash was just fine with that, and I think the Warriors are fine with that. Is there a specific moment that you remember where you feel like Steve Nash made some kind of impact on the Warriors, whether it was player development or strategy or just overall ethic around the team? Was there anything that you saw or witnessed specific that Steve Nash had an impact on the Warriors? Yeah, it's hard to say just because he really wasn't working that much with the younger players, and that's where you make the most impact, and that's where you can really see guys games change or evolve 
He's working with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. You know, there's, their games are going to be altered maybe, tweaked. I think his greatest impact, one was I think he was really good for Kerr to have around. Uh, now, they had already won a championship by the time he, he, he signed on. It's not like he was teaching Steve Kerr how to coach. But just another layer. Like, they, they liked having those layers. Jerry West was around. Steve Nash was around. You know, these, these are major figures. Ron Adams, uh, Bob Myers. And it was part of the wooing of Durant. It was like, these are big-time voices that are getting on the phone to talk to you. So I think two, the biggest two things I'd say with him were helping to get them Kevin Durant. And it helped, it helped, his presence made Durant feel more comfortable about joining the Warriors, about leaving something that, you know, he was tied to Oklahoma City. That was a, he knew he, – he didn't know it was going to be as big a deal as it was when he left Oklahoma City, but he knew it was going to be a pretty big deal. And Nash helped him kind of, you know, feel comfortable that this was the right move for him as a human uh, beyond the basketball. And that, you know, if you want – it's all safe and happy if you stay in Oklahoma City. If you come here, you're growing as a man. And I think that was an important conversation for Durant to have. And then for, for to him to know that Nash was going to be there five times a year, eight times a year, however many times it was, that he could count on that um, knowledge, that relationship, that was big. And then, you know, the work he did with, with Durant, I call it basketball Tai Chi. It's very fluid. It's, you know, about, uh, you know, pace. It's about, you know, kind of consciousness, about getting to where you want to be with the right mindset. It's kind of a holistic thing. You know, it's, it's a little different than what you're used to seeing. But I think just that played into what Durant needs to hear, wants to hear, needs encouragement about, like, you know, when you're as talented as Kevin Durant, you can do it in a lot of different ways. His mentality suits Steve Nash's mentality. Get to the spot where you want to get to. Don't force things. Don't, you know, try to push against things. Just kind of flow to them. Uh, be in the, that mindset and you'll know it's all these bending twisting kind of weird little you know stagnant slow motion things sometimes too that's why i call it tai chi but it's just to get the body kind of in tune with everything else and that goes with their their workouts there goes to the weight room it goes to all these things it's very holy i don't know how he's going to coach like that <laughs> we'll see he probably doesn't know yet but it is a, uh, a, a, it was in tune with Durant. There's no question. And we'll see with Kyrie, with all the other players that they've got there. But uh, when you have a Hall of Famer who connects with a Hall of Famer, like that kind of mentality, that's a pretty big deal. And I think it was, a, it was the biggest deal he had with the Warriors. So you spoke to Steve Kerr. Tell me about that conversation. What did he say? What did you learn about Steve Nash? And overall, what did he think about the fact that Steve Nash is no longer a consultant for the Warriors, but now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Kerr, you know, flashes back to his, you know, he, he got the Warriors job without having coached anywhere, just like Nash is, is doing here. Now Kerr had three years as a general manager. He had all those years in TV, which we're learning is, you know, basically, you know, coaching training because these guys are in these meetings and, and asking all these coaches about how they're approaching stuff. Nash hasn't done that. You know, Nash has done soccer training, you know, he hasn't quite been in that line. So there's, there is a difference, but I think what Kerr's saying is they put together a strong staff and, and Jock Vaughn already being on it. And we'll see who else Nash puts together with it. But that's what Kerr did. Alvin Gentry sitting next to him, been through it. His first, in Kerr's first season. If I got to call a timeout here, I'm supposed to call a timeout there, whatever. That's the guy you can lean on. Now, Kerr picked it up real fast, and that's what he's saying. He thinks Nash is going to pick it up real fast, but just in case, 
you know, he, and Kerr brought Ron Adams, one of the top defensive assistant coaches in the league. He, he, he Luke Walton, that's a pretty good staff. Gentry, Walton, Adams. Uh, I think Kerr is emphasizing that. Like, make sure, like, you're going to do it on your own. You're going to pick this up. But to start, make sure you have the people aligned next to you that you can, like, hey, this guy can coach, this guy can coach, this guy can coach where you're not so worried about, wait a minute, that, that timeout was came at the wrong time. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. You got to understand you know, the flow and the pace of an NBA game is different than anything else. Make sure you have those guys. And I think that's what Kerr was emphasizing to me is that he goes, I know Steve's smart enough. That he's going to do this. You've got to put together a staff though, that you can rely on uh, when you haven't done before. You know, everyone here in Brooklyn, the number one thing that fans and media members wanted to see from the next head coach of the Nets was personality. Not X's and O's, but how that person handles a locker room and communicates with the players. And you covered Kevin Durant. In your mind, what type of coach is the best one suited to coach Kevin Durant? Yeah, I don't know. I, we don't know what kind of you know personality Nash is going to have as a coach. Because I've seen guys' personalities change a great deal uh, from when they're assistants or players. Kurt Rambis was the biggest flip I've ever seen in my life. One, you know, funny, laid back, irreverent assistant coach and player, and he turned into a madman as a head coach instantly. So I don't, I don't foresee that happening with Steve Nash, but you just don't know until he's sitting on that bench when he's answering questions about why did you lose three in a row, which was going to happen to anybody. Uh, but I think it's going to be good for, for Durant. I think the danger is like, you know, everyone's just going to view him as a Durant's handpick guy. And like anything he does, this is what Kevin wants. This is what Kyrie wants. You know, you do have to be independent and you do have to be able to make decisions on your own. I'm sure Nash will be able to do that. If there is a danger of this though. Uh, I think the you know, I, Kevin's had some, you know, he had a decent relationship with Steve Curtin, maybe not so great at the end. He had a decent relationship with Billy Donovan. He had a decent relationship with Scott Brooks. It's not like he's a coach killer. And there's other guys who've been way worse than that. He likes to be coached, but he also likes his own way. And he wants it to be explained to him. And he wants to have a logic behind it. I don't think that's dissimilar than most NBA superstars, most NBA players. They've succeeded. There's a reason why they're in the NBA. I think Nash will be really good for that. Like, this is why we're doing it. Not just why we're doing it on Tuesday for Tuesday night. It's what we're doing on Tuesday morning for went for Wednesday night and the next Tuesday night and a month from now and five months from now. I think that's what Nash will bring that mentality. Now, whether that's going to get the guy in the right spot for the jump shot in the last three seconds, we'll see. Uh, but I think it's the the broader. Here's how we're playing out our season and your career and my coaching career is not going to be like these you know minutia. It's going to be the bigger stuff. And I think that'll, that'll connect with Durant. And now we'll see about the temperament. We'll see it. But again, after that three-game losing streak, we shall see. And, you know, and players can want one, one thing and then get into it and go, wait a minute, I love this guy, but he's not tough enough. Or, you know, I want him to see him yell at somebody. We'll have to see. And Steve Kerr didn't know until he was doing it. Nobody knows. You know, did Brad Stevens know that going from, you know, a college you know, mid-major to Boston Celtics wouldn't work? No, not until he got through it. So we shall see. But. I, I think the the bigger discussions. Kevin Durant likes to like talk over things. There's like he does. Like some of my best conversations with any player on the Warriors have been with Durant. Now he gets mad at me, whatever. We go back and forth, but he likes that discussion. He doesn't want to be ignored. He doesn't want to have things go undiscussed. He likes discussing it, and it might go a little bumpy as it does, but he likes it. He likes being treated as a as a man, as an intelligent human being, which he certainly is. And I think Nash connects to him there too. 
What's interesting is the team that you cover, the Warriors, have done this twice now, where they took Mark Jackson from the TV booth, made him head coach. They took Steve Kerr and made him head coach, too, and never having been a head coach before. Observing those two men, Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr, and the situations that they dealt with with, with the Warriors, what to you are the biggest issues, potential issues that could be faced by a first-time head coach, by someone who is as inexperienced as Steve Nash will be when he becomes the head coach and is on a daily task of being the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I think, I hate, I hate to be overly practical, it's the dealing with the media, it's the questions every day, twice a day. Like even Kerr gets a little tired of that, and he's obviously great with the media. It's not just the media, though. It's that the players are listening each time you say something. And how do you not get pushed into an answer that you don't want them to hear yet? And how do you tell them first, yet you haven't quite thought about it until somebody throws you the question? And, you know, Mark Jackson was pretty good about that, a little, a little obvious about the messages he was trying to send, but he was pretty good about that. There's been other coaches. Don Nelson obviously had many, many years as a head coach when he got to the Warriors the second time. Uh, but they could very, very controlled about that. Mike Montgomery, when he was moved over from Stanford to the Warriors, was terrible at it, just absolutely terrible. It, it, it's a big deal to talk, talk to the media twice a day, most days on, on, on games, game days, and then at practice, and then at other times. Uh, and I think that, we'll see how – I mean, Nash isn't – he's a really nice guy, and he's been good with the media, but he hasn't been the most available guy to the media. We'll see how they like that twice a day. Talk and shoot around. Talk before well, – three times. Shoot around. Before the game, after the game. And everything you say is going to be like anything he says about Kevin Durant is going to be a headline, period. Absolutely. Anything he says about Kyrie Irving is going to be a headline, period. And then respond to what Kyrie and Kevin said. You know, that, that's where Kerr even got a little bit of that. Like he'd say something, he'd get mad about something and he'd, he'd express himself after a Warriors loss because there weren't that many of them. It became notable. And then what, what happens? We're going to go to ask Kevin Rand, what do you think Steve said that the team was terrible? Today? Well, I don't think he should have said that. Like, it, it, that stuff, we'll see how Nash plays it out. We'll see what his temperament is. I can't answer that for anybody. It's tough. I mean, again, I'll say Kurt Rambis, I thought was going to be great at that, was about the worst I've ever dealt with on that. And I still like Kurt. We can talk fine off the record. As soon as that tape recorder goes on, he stiffens up and starts getting edgy as a head coach. Um, we'll see what I think. I don't think Nash is going to be edgy. I just think the every day of it, of dealing with your players, dealing with the media, dealing with players again, dealing with the media again, is tough for any coach, tough in New York, uh, but it's tough at any time, especially when you're dealing with the you know, players of the you know, magnitude of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I have one last question for you. It has to do with Kevin Durant, not Steve Nash, though obviously those two are now tied together. Kevin Durant signed with the Nets on June 30th, 2019, and he may not play his first game with the Nets until 2021. That's when the season may actually start for next season. As someone who covered Kevin Durant for the number of years that you did, what do you expect Kevin Durant to actually look like when he does come back and play for the Brooklyn Nets on an NBA floor in NBA competition and not just in workouts where he's dunking on people on Instagram? He's going to be good. I mean, he's Kevin Durant and a little bit slower Kevin Durant, a little bit less explosive is still going to be a great player. I don't think he's going to be the best player in the league, and I think he was verging on that, uh, let's just say, at the end of 2018 uh, when he was this two-time NBA Finals MVP and clearly outplayed LeBron in, in two series. And that's tough to do. Uh, he defended LeBron James. LeBron didn't defend him. And he scored on LeBron James. And that is a hard, 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 
place to to you know to get back to after everything he's been through. So I think he's going to score. I think he's going to be a, a great scorer. I think that all he's been doing is practicing that jump shot, and all he's been thinking about is is that ISO you know dribble turn spin you know fall away Durant shot that no one else can do. Um, and we'll see about everything else, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, you know, endurance is. We'll see if he can get through 82 games. I can't imagine he would play 82 games. I can't imagine he's going to play 40 minutes a game that might tail off, but I think for 40 games a year and maybe 10 of them in the playoffs, he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Again, maybe not the best player. And we've you know, got these young players coming up now, so we'll see how that all works. But I think he's been waiting, waiting to do some big stuff. So. I wouldn't think the two-way stuff, again, he was, you know, when he wants to play defense, he's incredibly one of the best defensive players in the league when he's into that mode. He's not always into that mode. But I think offensively, he's going to, I mean, he might be like a Bob McAdoo, you know, where it just, the ball goes in the hoop every single time he turns around. And I think he'll be real, really ready to be, to, to be doing this in the league. I expect a lot of scoring from Gavin Durant. We'll see where, where everything else comes. But I think the scoring, I think Nash, and everything they do, I think Kyrie's going to be committed to get Kevin going. Uh, I think he's going to score a lot of points. So, Tim, maybe the next time we talk to you is in 2021 when the Warriors and Nets are in the NBA Finals, Kevin Durant versus his old team, Steve Nash against his old team. That would be exciting. Uh, until then, I urge everyone to go read Tim's story on The Athletic because it will give you great insight on Nash's relationship with Kevin Durant. Thanks so much, Tim. You got my...